You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. So I'm Charlotte. So along with hosting podcasts and creating articles, I specialise in recruiting freelance data engineers and data scientists within the Nordic region. Uh, So I'm personally passionate about building lasting relationships with my clients and with my candidates and seeing uh, teams thrive by connecting the right people. So if Nicholas, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, of course. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Niklas Bivald. So I'm from the beginning, I'm a developer uh, from a pretty young age. I started implementing e-commerce sites when I was 13, 14, way back. Uh, I worked at uh, companies such as Spotify, I worked at digital agencies, I worked for kind of large e-commerce sites doing um, optimizations and stuff like that. And then about seven years ago, I co-founded Employer with the kind of goal of helping the world make better use of their data. And we started out actually by reverse engineering the black box data coming out of aircrafts, the kind of the binary crash recorded data, and came up with a pretty novel approach on both kind of doing technical development, but also data analytic and pipelines. And we initially we were a product company, so we were selling our uh, data pipeline product and safety analysis product towards aviation industries. And it's still used in kind of top 10 airlines around the world, but we're now kind of expanding to encompass also kind of helping companies solve kind of their toughest data problems uh, based on the kind of the the experience we've had kind of doing the same journey ourselves the last seven years with kind of tough data but also kind of highly regulated and kind of everything that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Great perfect yeah. thank you very much for that introduction. Jeremy if you'd like mm-hmm. to introduce yourself that'd be great. Sure. Uh, My name is Jeremy Bellucci, and I'm a data scientist at Mentimeter. Uh, My background isn't data science. It's actually science science. I have a PhD in geochemistry that I got in 2011, and I worked as a research scientist for many years until switching to data science this year. Perfect. Lovely. And I love hearing about how um, people have kind of changed from one and got getting into kind of um, data and finding it really interesting, which is, of course, perfect for this topic as well. Uh, so, Per, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, hello. I'm Per Isaacson. I, uh, I'm originally an engineer from uh, KTH, and uh, I worked mainly as a developer during my career. Uh, for the last five years, I've been with Trustly, and I started out there as a technical project manager, you could say, uh, and uh, implemented the first uh, BI solution at Trustly and built a team around that, uh, which was very well received. But since a year back, I am back working in as a developer and now as a data engineer. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And again, it goes back to kind of your passion of love and data and that kind of thing, which is great. Kind of be, like um, enjoying being more hands on that kind of thing as well. It's perfect. So, Anders, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, thank you. So, my name is Anders Bresel, and I'm uh, also a PhD uh, with a history from uh, uh, pharmaceutical R&D. But I moved into some management consulting business for a few years uh, until I moved into the uh, data science business in the industrial landscape and, and, and real-time and uh, data analysis. So I currently work at Telenor Connection, leading our data, uh, AI, and uh, analytics team. 
where we uh, process around a half a billion events or more than half a billion events per day. Uh, according uh, and in addition to that, feeding uh, that to our business intelligence solutions uh, <clears throat> and so on. So that's um, that's my background and, and something some words about what I'm doing. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much for that. And uh, I was really looking forward to uh, kind of this podcast as well, because everyone's got a real interest in kind of data and the topic. And I think um, it's got we've got a really good questions coming up as well. So what I'll do, I'll start off with uh, Nicholas. So your question was, how do you break down the data silos and make data available and promote sharing, especially given that data can be sensitive and regulated? So Nicholas, if you'd like to give um, a little bit more of a background on your question, that'd be great. Yeah, of course. So uh, from, from our experience, uh, the companies, at least the com a lot of the companies we've working with, they've the problem isn't necessarily the lack of data, although that can be a problem as well, but the problem is usually that they have either too much of it or that they're too separated. So there's a large organization that have a lot of interesting data, but it's over six departments and it's not necessarily easy to make data flow between them. And there's no kind of governing authority on kind of how do you get access to this. And obviously this is getting even more important now with kind of becoming a modern GDPR compliant organization. Obviously you can't just pool every data into some giant storage and not keep track of it. You actually have to know what you store and who's accessing it. So that's kind of where I was going with the questioning kind of how do we, given that companies has a lot of data, but how do you also start using it and start kind of collaborating with it? Mm -hmm. Perfect. So I'm going to uh, throw that question first and foremost to Anders, if you'd like to kind of an answer that question. Yeah, so uh, I mean, there are various parts of it. There's a culture, there's a there's a technical barrier uh, and so on. And there is a governance uh, barrier, more or less. So uh, one experience I've seen uh, working in a very big enterprise trying to uh, break down this data silos, uh, actually the, the one of the main uh, um, uh, senior management uh, very very high up in the organization said we have so much data but we bury it and treat it like nu nuclear waste lock down its systems and nobody's allowed to go back and look at it so that was really data silos so what they uh, what we did then is to make a huge cultural change over two years we hired uh, very expensive consultants that to try to re reprogram all decision makers and managers to think about the value of data and the value of innovation and so on. Um, and it actually worked. Uh, and together with that, some facilitating roles were introduced. Uh, like we call it data angels that were like those persons that could go and dig to, into these data silos and transition, help the business to derive insights, even though the technical barriers were there still blocked. But this person was given all the access and the trust to do that. And of course, the governance part of it was very important. So there was also a rollout of uh, uh, information sharing, information advocate roles, information strategy around how to, so every different source had an owner and that could then uh, delegate uh, authority to use that data source. There was no technical integration, I would say, but it actually made people <clears throat> get access to the data and so on. So it was a very slow process uh, though. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way. Um, there are other more modern ways uh, using the cloud will move everything to the cloud. It will uh, allow much more better 
integrations and so on and control of that. So that's what I would recommend right now. Yeah. Definitely. And Perv, would you want to add to that? Yeah, I would like to start with saying that uh, this is really an issue. I recognize it. We also have this problem that when we want to start sharing more data, we say we want to become data driven. Everybody should work with data. It's always this, okay, but wait a little. Can we really do this? Can we share this? How do we set up access, right, to maintain that? And I think one point I would like to make is that I think the cultural aspect of it is important and maybe especially on the, so to say, data owner or producer side, let's say that we have a CRM system. There's a lot of valuable data in there for different sorts of analysis. If the team, usually the team who kind of owns and operates that system, they are specialized in that specific tool and the data is just like a thing on the side. I think if it's made more clear to everybody that you're actually an information asset owner and your your role here at the company is to make sure that everybody makes as much use of this information asset that you own as possible, not necessarily through the system in which it sits right now. Maybe it can be super useful in some other way. And to give them an explicit mandate to like try to share that data within the organization. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's my my best thoughts around it. Mm -hmm, definitely. And Jeremy, would you like to kind of add to that? Sure. Uh, I don't know if I have anything to add per se on how to break them down. Um, but my thought on this was, is this an inevitability of company growth? Is there a way that we as data people can get ahead of this problem, the siloing problem um, in a way that uh, feels natural and we don't need data angels or some other benevolent factor to come and help us out. Uh, I think if we start building data-driven companies at the beginning, maybe we can avoid this siloing issue in the future. What do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. Or, I mean, you guys are probably longer in the industry than me, but that's just kind of my thought. Uh, get ahead uh, of uh, Yeah, cool. I think yeah, both you, Jeremy, and Perry has really good points there in, in, in both of the, uh, the data ownership that, uh, I mean, if you're an expert, like a data scientist, I mean, you can't just sit on your expertise. It's so valuable that so you need to make sure that everyone else gets uh, gets the benefit of you being an expert. So you need to expose yourself. You need to make sure to promote what you can do and make sure that you put your assets in the places where it uh, puts most value. And that goes the same for data assets, I would say. Uh, so that's a really good point, I'd say. Mm. Definitely. Nicholas, did you have anything kind of um, more to add on, on that question before we kind of move on to the next question? Anything? No, I think it's, uh, I think you touched on really some really good things here. Um, and uh, also that <clears throat> as also, as you said with it, Jeremy, whether it's a kind of byproduct of growth, definitely can definitely be, especially for kind of uh, larger, older companies, not old as in unmodern, just been around for a while larger organizations and i think in some ways i also think that uh, kind of automation can help this effort a little bit because it kind of if you're forced to become kind of structured in your data transfer as well so you know how to get the data you know where to get the data from and you have actually you kind of structure your data library uh, it also kind of promotes the sharing just being the fact that they 
half of the organization probably don't know what the other half of the organization has for interesting data. So just this discovery process is also crucial, I think. But really good, uh, really good input. Thank you for that. Definitely. Does anyone want to kind of add anything else before we move on to the next question? Perfect. Well, I'll move on um, to Jeremy's question now. Um, so Jeremy's question, of course, was what type of education is necessarily necessary for true data democratization? So, Jeremy, if you'd like to give a little bit more background um, about your question before we get started on that one. Sure. Uh, so the idea behind this question is every tech company or every company wants to be data driven. But I would argue that most people who are interested in numbers don't care where those numbers come from or don't understand what you can do with those numbers in a meaningful way. For example, if you have somebody looking at an A-B test and 51% of the test is successful and 49% of the test is successful, but the counts on it are so low that those are statistically equivalent, and someone looking at these raw numbers is just like, oh, well, this one's obviously better. They order product team to make a change on the A-B test, which is meaningless and it wastes a lot of people's time and puts the product on a path that might not be so successful. Um, and so, yeah, so we have to educate people in numbers if we want everybody to use numbers. And so what is that fair to people to place this impetus on, you know, how much statistics should you know? How much uh, actions should you be able to get from these numbers? Are they real? Are they good? Or do you just want to use buzzwords like data democratization and just go and have all the numbers and not know what to do with them or know their significance? So I come from like an educator academic perspective and that we need to instruct people, decision makers, on what numbers mean, why you should care about the quality of those numbers, and just I don't know, basic statistics and drive so that when you see these things, you can have a bit of skepticism and proceed in a business forward, accurate way. So that's uh, that's why I think this question is why what are my thoughts on it anyway? Perfect. Thank you very much for that. Um, I'll throw that one up per first if you'd like to answer that first. Yeah, I actually thought a bit about that. And um, first I want to say I really agree that I think it's a very good observation and some something that is usually missed when you talk about data democratization because interpreting data and drawing conclusions is really hard. And I think we have like the natural way for people to react with data. It's more like try to find something that fits into what you already believe because we have... When we worked as a BA team, we had lots of requests. Uh, maybe you can pull some data for us to show this or that. And then they came with a like a proposition of what was true, not asking if it were true. And then you put the cart before the horse, so to speak. I, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, you can say that you should be really scientific about it. And I think it's easy to fall into this trap also of like, no, it's really hard to say. We really don't know nothing. Um, but on the other hand, we don't want to run away there where you can prove anything just by digging long enough through the data. Um, I think probably at some point, making some good KPIs, explaining them, how they are used, why we use them, so they can't really be misinterpreted. That could be one way to involve a larger amount of people, but to... 
I mean, for the true democratization to happen, I I think this is a real uh, real challenge, to be honest. Mm-hmm, definitely. And Nicholas, if you'd like to add to that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. So I think obviously education comes in a lot of levels. You have actually kind of personal education kind of in actual statistics, but also I think education within an organization is crucial. I really like what Anders, what you said about kind of data angels, because those can also help actually educate in these things. So they can actually both act as a kind of sounding board, but they can also be a kind of a kind of a little, a little bit of a check and balance to make sure that people are actually <laughs> drawing at least roughly good solutions on based on the data. And obviously everything such as kind of workshops, tracking, education, you kind of need to have an ecosystem within the organization for this. Uh, and it's not a uh, it's not a one type deal either. It's not now we educate all of our employees and then we're done with it because now they know what's kind of statistically significant and they know that this is this is a, also a mindset and also kind of continuation, right? This is going to live for hopefully as long as the company does. And a lot of these uh, transformations and education as well kind of starts with these kind of few employees. It can be a subset, it can be the data angels, and then obviously kind of grows and grows. And But I do also think that it's important to actually teach everyone to kind of validate their assumptions as Paris said is kind of asking what is true rather asking this is true rather than what is truth. Uh, but also I think that most people are have a kind of statistics are hard on a kind of gut feeling level. I think humans as a kind of as a species have really hard problem with that. And even even if you are educated in statistics, move outside of kind of your domain and your gut feelings probably won't really uh, tell you the truth. So we have to really be diligent there and actually foster this kind of tracking effort as well in answering. Uh, so kind of this is our project that we're doing right now. It's going to be small and then actually follow up. So we keep kind of keep improving our gut feeling as well. Uh, and obviously sharing those, sharing what we come up with. Mm-hmm. Perfect, definitely. Got a lot of um, nodding heads in here. It's good to see that everyone's definitely agreeing on this topic. <laughs> uh, so Anders, uh, if you'd like to um yeah. Uh, I have really good experience from the past years when we actually went on a democratization of data journey uh, internally and and we we've somehow found a good balance where we were really firm on setting the expectations so what we did we delivered like visual app, uh, analytics application that they were self-service they can all the internal stakeholders uh, and even customers customers in one some extent could look at the data but it was not detailed enough so you can draw firm conclusions from it. But you can see the deviation from over over time or something like that. Why has this changed from last month? Or why, why is this trend going down? But they couldn't do, uh, we did some drill down and so on, but not to the extent that they can answer the question. So when they saw this, they went to the data experts, the team that built this, had knowledge about all the data. And, and that team then reached out to the experts about that technology that was involved in producing the data. And the trigger is really important. You know, uh, image has says more than a thousand words. That gives you the thought about I should ask something more about this to understand. Uh, maybe it's a cultural thing, but it worked uh, very well. 
Uh, and now we have this constant flow of really key analytics tasks to do because people in the organization come and ask them because they've seen these on a visualization somewhere. Um, so that's that's a very nice pattern I've seen lately in my in my organization. Um, yeah, but I think expectation management is really important and and everyone that works with data knows that the reason why a graph looks like it is or a p-value is the size of something or like A-B test, e test, uh, test show something can be so many things. It can be so much about how you process the data rather than the actual underlying business events you want to measure or or uh, something like that. So you need to be have that in, in in your back of your head when you look at the data. So don't don't empower them too much, but give them so much that you get them triggered to ask the right questions or what they should look into, and then bring in the experts to help them uh, solve that. That's my uh, my take on this. Uh, right. So that brings me back to my original point: Can we actually get to true data democratization if it's always you have to talk to somebody to talk to somebody to talk to somebody to get to the bottom of something. And what level of education do we need to have for our people who are even looking at that graph, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, communication and, and, and society, I mean, we need to collaborate anyhow. Uh, <laughs> so if you can foster that kind of uh, culture uh, where you always collaborate, there's not one man show and not everyone is Superman, um, then Together you do something great. That's that's I think is um, maybe the way forward. So you have different roles and the roles play together. Uh, so yeah, can you ex do data democratization in a way that everyone is self-served and they can have access to everything? Uh, maybe, but the 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 right to draw conclusions from it should maybe not be up to the individual always. Fair enough. Yeah, and I uh, used to say that I think that what you said about sparking the conversation is really important because kind of the more touch points you have with different parts of the companies, the more you understand, you get more empathy to kind of the other data stakeholders, you build these kind of human relationships as well. And if you get everyone into that mindset that we are collaborating about this, it's also much easier to not fall into the trap of going into a rabbit hole alone because you actually have someone you've talked about earlier and say, look, can you, does this look okay to you? So, and that also kind of brings kind of sympathy into the organization as well. So I think that, yeah, sparking the conversation, I think is really key and getting people mm. to talk about the data uh, as much as using the data. Mm. But because if you start talking, you start asking questions, you start asking questions, that's where the interesting things happen. Yeah, and I mean, you have in science a peer review. I mean, you have the software development engineering, you have the peer review of, of, of of your of your code, if someone else look at it before you go to de deploy. That's more or less the same principle that we follow in the analytics team. I mean, we don't we don't deliver an insight as long as someone else haven't looked at it, validated that we haven't made some uh, wrong assumption somewhere or mi missed something uh, very obvious. So that that's one way to make it uh, more uh, sort of democratized in, in a way, so m ensure that more trustworthy. Perfect. Did you yeah. have something to say then? For <laughs> no, I basically wanted to agree. I think there is actually a limit to how far you can push the democratization, but probably 
I mean, everybody having access to the data doesn't necessarily mean that everybody will be an expert at drawing conclusions. But as all of you have said, it could trigger conversations as for everybody to get the feeling of about what is happening. But maybe, maybe that's enough. Jeremy, is there anything else that you'd like to add before I kind of moved on to the next question? No, I think I think that's really great. And um, having EQ and being a data scientist is in on like a unmeasurable asset because you can communicate and have chats with people like over beer or over lunch or something and kind of get people interested and skeptical and moving forwards in a scientific way. So that's a really good point made by everybody. Talk, use your words, and uh, maybe some smart things will happen. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I love that. Um, so yeah, so I'll go ahead and um, ask the next question now. So the next question is by Per. So how do you take an organization from insights to action? Um, so if you'd like to give a little bit more of uh, background on your question, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I think this is something that most data team or analytics organizations face that as we went when we had set up the BI tool let's say you can produce an endless number of metrics and reports and usually the people asking for it is not the people who are delivering the manpower for it so it's kind of a uh, you get a lot of questions but then to me, I would almost argue that unless knowing something from the data makes you do something differently or change the way you do business, it is kind of useless. I, I mean, it could basically just be an insight, but then in the end, it has to lead to some action or change of behavior. This is what data-driven means to me, but I think we're kind of far from everybody within I mean, within business agreeing with this. Do you have any uh, like experience on how you can change people's mindset on this to, to enable the analytics organizations to zoom in on where you can actually have an impact instead of just building even more reports that will be put in a drawer? I'll go to Anders first, if you want to answer first, Anders. Yeah. Oh, this is a topic that is very, uh, very close to my heart. Uh, I have, just want to start off. I had a, a colleague that formulated a formula, uh, like in mathematics. You had data times analysis times insight times action equals money. Okay, so it means that if you don't have the, uh, data, if you don't have, do analytics on it, you don't draw any insights, and you don't take any actions. If any of those are zero, you have no value. So that sort of gives you an. an some perspectives on it. So action is very, very important. So um, what I'm being a, leading a data data team and, and building a data solution, a big data architecture and delivering insights to people, you are a scarce resources. And there's so many asking you for help. So when someone comes for a report and someone, I always push, okay, uh, yeah, I can give you a report, but what is actions will you take when you look at a report? That will help me to design the report. But more importantly, when do you need the, the insight in order to take the action in the right time? Uh, so then it's a matter of timing also. Is it a monthly report? Now, maybe it's too late to get an idea of, well, the customer is churning or something. Uh, 
because he's already taken some actions to move away from you, and so on. So that's that is sort of uh, very very much. And then because uh, we had alluded so many reports, even you know real time updates on 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 like dashboards on screens, but the problem is people look at it and 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 it requires them to look at it all the time, and then they can do the work. So it means that you need to really build your reporting deliveries into your business processes at the right time to make sure that they have the information to make the actions in the process to go either the way uh, and impact like the outcome. So thinking about actions and actually challenge every stakeholder that wants a report or analytics work or insights, what is the actions you're going to take and what happens if you don't do it, get this insight. Uh, and, and, and then it comes to it very much, to like, and you take this extension. If you build a model that predicts what you should do, the best next action, and it's so good, so you transform your whole customer base into some new type of customer, then the model won't work anymore. So you still need to sort of validate and, and make sure that you have a end-to-end -end thinking in this. Uh, but yeah, action is the key uh, here. If you don't take any actions, it's just waste of data science hours, money infrastructure cost, storage costs, management time, <laughs> meeting time, you know, actions is what actually makes the, uh, the difference. So yeah, very close to my heart. <laughs> Perfect, thank you very much for that. Nicholas, if you'd like to add to that. Yep, of course, I think uh, kind of, uh, as you said, asking questions I think is crucial and kind of being curious. So kind of, yes, you're asking for this report, but kind of what is the core issue that you want to solve with your report? Is it to validate something? Is it because you actually are wondering something completely different? Because it might, the report is kind of them asking for the solution often. And it's kind of your job to find what actual problem they're having that you can solve. So kind of go into that and actually start asking even more questions like, yeah, sure, I can, as you said, I can do this report, but why do you need it? And what are you actually trying to solve? And is there something else I can help you with in solving that instead or together with the report? And, and then I think kind of, I think it's also important from a kind of empathy level to understand that I think most organizations want to take actions. I mean, that's uh, no one wants to be hindered or blocked by things like every, and most department I think has kind of a fairly good grasp of what their challenges are and what they they want to know. But it's kind of your job and our jobs and everyone's jobs to kind of because what's what's the blocking that the blocking side is kind of unique to each company. So that can be organizational and structural or it can be technical or it can be time. But it's just good to keep in mind that almost everyone at the company will want to gain insights and kind of but there's something that is stopping them. And if you can find out kind of what that inertia actually is because of, they will kind of love you for it because they will be able to do their job better and get more feedback and kind of excel at it as well. And that sense, I think it's also important to kind of start small and enable tinkering and listening from kind of bottom up. So it because it's hard to drive insights down someone's throat. Like I am a mighty God, I've done this, I have this insight, now you're gonna implement it. And then you'll wonder why people are resisting because kind of, well, obviously, but if we can help everyone kind of get, find the insights at the right level of the organization, 
so they also feel that it's coming from them. Uh, I think that's also crucial. Perfect. Thank you very much. That Jeremy, did you want to add add to that? Uh, sure. It's, it's very funny that we want to use Inception to get people to do stuff instead of having them kind of drive it. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer to this question. Um, I think we've touched on a lot of issues that stop people from doing things. People come with bias already. They already know the answer before they come to data team and to give them the answer that they want to see. So it's hard to drive action if somebody's already had their mind made up. I think that it's very difficult to drive action based on numbers that people might not understand, which is part of my question, education. Uh, yeah, I think you guys hit it on the head. There's all of the things that we talked about already, you know, bias, non-scientific thinking, um, communication, and having people who can use their words, all going forwards to kind of convince people to do stuff on numbers and not not their gut. Uh, so that's that's it. Perfect. Per, did you kind of hope that kind of answered your question? Do you want to add to that? No, I think it was really good answer. So what I take with me is basically try to push back a bit and really work with people to try to understand what they actually want when they come to you. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Definitely. And I know that Nicholas, when we've spoken before, uh, you was telling me about kind of um, your business model is sticking to the core and really understanding the core issue and working out outwards in that way as well, which I know that you mentioned there as well, which is great. Um, so I'll go ahead and move on to kind of the next question now, um, which is, of course, Anders question. Um, so how do you measure data democratization within a business and how do you consider it to be a success? So if Anders, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question, then I'll, I'll pass it out to everyone else as well. Mm, yeah. So I, I don't have any answers to this. I'm, I'm just thinking about if we now would have, have some experience of data democratization, we have like helped the company or the organization to to get more empowered and so on. And, and But how do we make sure that we actually moved from our baseline, you know? How, how, how we actually, how we transformed the culture? Have we transformed our technology? Have we transformed our processes? Are we in a bit better place? Uh, and what? at what point, okay, I have uh, have a reflection in the end then, but uh, how do we consider that we have done this in a successful way? When are we successful in the data democratization? So sort of what, what would we tick off? This is what I want to have com accomplished, so to say. So I'll go ahead and ask Jeremy first if you'd like to start. Uh, well, as I said, I don't know if everybody should have access to data or be in charge of uh, deriving insights from data that they don't quite understand. So what are we measuring in terms of data democratization? Are all of our databases talking to each other? Are they all integrated? Can we get all of the information that everybody uses in one place so we can start to formulate higher models or higher ways of understanding behaviors. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really have have an answer because I don't think true data democratization can happen where everybody gets access to data in a meaningful way. Um, but maybe maybe one of the other guys knows. I'll throw that at Nicholas if you'd like to. Um... 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those that are really that are really challenging, and I've given this a lot of thought as well. And kind of just, and I think the core there is kind of, and this is something that I, I think it's important to actually talk about really at the beginning of your journey as well. Like, what does success look like? Like, when we are successful, how are we then working? Because it forces you to actually answer this question upfront. Because otherwise, it's easy to have six months in you start measuring by number of dashboards or something just because someone higher up is asking how's it going or but it's like and also kind of the starting small thing is if you can if you can kind of really think about how are we working when we are successful then i think that's something to ask yourself at the beginning as well then as to how we do that i think that's super hard to be honest <laughs> it's just it's not an easy question um i think at least some things that i've seen people are working on i'm not sure that those are the best uh, inquiry kind of metrics but everything from kind of how much um you can obviously take this from a kind of technical perspective in terms of data flows and data sources and whatever which is one part of it but then you can also take the softer side in terms of kind of see like how many inquiries are made to the, if we have a data team, for example, how many inquiries are made to that data team from the different departments, for example, how much kind of, how, and everything go, and even goes down to how much kind of, how much chat is it about this in the company's chat rooms? And, or you can do things like, does each department has their own data scientists, if that's applicable? So you can kind of measure this, but I, but it is really one of those things that you, it's hard to really measure on the head. So you end up thinking about these kind of what pseudo metrics on terms of like, this is indication that we're moving to the worst right direction. But yeah, it's a really tricky one. Definitely. Per, what would you like to add? Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I also agree with that. Is what does being done with data democratization mean maybe we are never done and maybe we'll, yeah what would be done mean maybe it's uh, like utopia but i think uh, i'm thinking about two things one would be if the organization is more more driven by when you want to make a change let's say you want to launch a new product you want to change some process how you're working if you come to a state where you upfront define this is what success for this change would look like this is how we would track it i mean maybe right or wrong that kpi but at least you have an idea on before what it is you want to measure and like and define define your thoughts in numbers in that way and i think the other thing would be we implemented a self-service bi tool at trustly and i think I mean, I fully agree with that. Not everybody can be an expert with data, but it still gives some, it gives the freedom to people to to look at the data to, uh, I mean, some will be interested, some won't. It also gives like the company an opportunity to, to show what we think is important. If we have uh, two reports and they are about uh, some very specific things that we want everybody to focus on, Okay, not everybody can draw the conclusions, but at least they can look at the data and see this is displayed. This is something we need to follow up. And as I said before, everybody can kind of get a feeling for the proportions of what is happening in the company. Um, yeah, 
that would be my thoughts. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much for that. Anders, if you'd like to add. Yeah, uh, it was a tough question, but um, there, uh, I mean, in the simplest way, you would, in hindsight, you will see that, okay, without these all efforts of democratization of data and, uh, and, and making advances in the field, we would never have saved this amount of costs or, or blocked this revenue leakage or uh, found this money that we would like not like invoices that sh was never paid. I don't know. You know, you can you can always find R ROE in that way. Uh, but what I actually was smiling because uh, you pair touched upon something that I was actually thinking about, uh, and which is interesting. You know, when uh, sometimes you as a company have this goal. Uh, historically, you had like uh, we want to be the biggest in the market, or we want to be the first most preferred customer, or something like that. But what happens when you achieve that is that you stop trying more. Uh, so in formulated purpose or something like that, it's, it should be something that you can never be done with. So, I mean, we say we would be more de democratized in terms of data than last year. That's our year uh, goal. And we have that goal every year. And then of course you remove a forward or something like that. So thinking about a continuous improvement always, I think that will help. But do you prove? Well, yeah, uh, I think I think you have some good ideas. Uh, um, we just count the number of emails into our support box for the analytics team, and we see okay, what's the rate uh, of the week, uh, and see does it go down or up, and then we see okay, do we see that there are more teams that provide uh, you know um, requests and so on. So that's how we build trust that we are on the right way, that we reach more and reach more important business uh, things to solve, business questions and so on to address. So then, so it comes down that you need to start prioritizing. Uh, and when, when I think that may be a way, uh, when you have so many requests that you need to start prioritizing and it, the prioritizing actually makes uh, a good output that you make actually see a lot of more value coming out of your work then I think you have definitely reached your success because that's uh, sort of what I would expect of a data democratization journey uh, would end up in. Mm -hmm. Per, what, did you want to add to that? Oh, sorry, Jeremy. Yeah. What's funny about that is I would think the exact opposite, actually. If <laughs> everybody had access to data, you would get no emails. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, we actually uh, trained a few teams just to we gave them like SQL access just down to data warehouse, uh, okay, and trained them some basic principles and uh, and they become sort of self-service, but uh, they kept on only doing the simple stuff and every time they needed one something more advanced, they reached out to the experts. So it did work, I think, uh, in that sense. Um, but it's it's uh, the problem is when you start doing visualizations and stuff like that, then you uh, and try to tell a story, and especially if you're biased and you want to tell the story that fits your purpose, then I think it's it will be uh, really. But if you have a curiosity and a willingness to understand any problems and going to the to the bottom of it, it that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, I adopted sometimes this. Uh, principle you should ask why like five or six times just by rephrasing the question uh, and and if you don't do that you never actually found the root cause <laughs> okay <laughs> so that's uh that's one way of thinking of that but yeah 
Definitely. Per, did you mm. want to kind of add to that? No, but when it, it comes to measuring the data democratization, so to say, we actually track the usage of our mm. AI tool. We could see it go from two people daily to over 80 people daily. I mean, then the company grew as well, but I mean, that was mm. one metric. And maybe also you get a feel for the urgency of when do you fail a load during a night? Mm. How early do people start pinging you yeah. and asking for that? If it's around mm. lunch, yes. okay, maybe it wasn't that important. If it's before you even get to work, then it's probably really important. Yeah, good point. Definitely. Nicholas, did you want to add? Yeah, so I kind of, if we kind of allow to zoom out just slightly when we talk about data democratization, and I know that we're talking about data democratization today and kind of how can we reshape our organizations to take advantage of it. But I think probably the most important thing to learn is actually how to reshape your organization because kind of the ability to evolve will always be crucial to your survival. So today we're going to evolve and have to reshape to solve our data democratization and utilize the data that we have. And I can guarantee you that will be something completely different tomorrow. So it's just learn kind of if you can learn the organization how to learn and kind of because that keeps you evolving, then then you're onto something because you you may be behind today, you might be ahead today. But I guarantee you kind of if you stop evolving, then you won't be ahead for long. So it's just keep evolving. And uh, today it's data democratizations. Uh, tomorrow there will be another challenge, but just keep keep reshaping, keep going forward. I think it's probably the, the most crucial thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I'm sure we can think of the next podcast so that we can talk about the next challenge <laughs> yeah. on next time as well. Yeah, oh, possibly I just can add that. Possibly it can be like robotics and artificial intelligence will remove all the decision makers and the need for humans looking at data and accessing data. So, okay, then it's the robots that uh, access the data, make the inference and draw the conclusions and take the actions.